space anime. Uh, so, hi everybody, welcome back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. Again, it is my self-tie Tuesday with Giop. Hello, hello. And Kuvo. We got some good episodes this time. They, some, some shit went down, I guess is how I would describe it. There was, on a scale from one to some shit, we're gonna need a new scale, because a lot happened. A lot. <laughs> a lot occurs. Get ready, uh, this is episodes, uh, 23 to 27, I believe? Yes, that sounds right. And, uh, oh, oh, I've got a, there's a lot of talk of people getting shot and a lot of, a lot of swear words in my notes. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just put it that way. Kubo, start us off. We got, we've got some shit to cover. <laughs> yeah, okay, so 23 opens up with, uh. The people that are under Brunschweig and the Galactic Empire are not happy that he's uh, losing so badly, so they kind of start uprising against him, and they may have killed his nephew. Uh, this kind of pisses him off, and he starts uh, musing with his other noble people on his asteroid fortress that they should just uh, nuke him, because why not? Yeah, yeah. so like to clarify, this was just a... It was like a people's revolt. Like It was almost like... You know, a small beginning of a coup d'etat, like on the planet level. Like they were trying to overthrow yeah, them or get them the, the fuck fact out of there. They sided with the wrong people. So, yeah, and then yeah, exactly. They killed his nephew. So yeah, they're gonna nuke a whole. Just to be clear, a whole planet full of people. Yeah, he wasn't happy about that. Um, it was also casually dropped during this conversation. He's talking to the nobles that humanity almost wiped themselves out with nukes back in the quote thirteen day war. So it seems like uh, World War III is on the horizon. You better stock up and prep for that. It sounded, too, like after that, it was just kind of forbidden by everybody in, like, an agreement of no nukes are ever allowed to hit planets again. No, just a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> no yeah, nukes. just kind of like, all right, guys, we can shoot each other's ships, but, like, if you nuke a planet, you're just killing civilians and you're being a real piece of shit. Don't do that. And then, like, all the nobles, like, immediately have that reaction, too, like... It doesn't seem like people are really with Braunschweig on this at all. At you all, can, you at can all. only throw nukes into suns. That's the only place you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Where it's safe, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Anschbach is listening to all this. Uh, he's pretty much he's fed up with this at this point, And he uh, makes an offhand reference that says the Goldblum dynasty is finished. And I guess some of the nobles overhear him and they throw him in the jail for it. Because, you know, you can't be going against Braunschweig. Well, anyway. it's, it's not not to cover why, but the dude who rats him out to Braunschweig is of importance later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somehow Oberstein gets news of this plan, probably has some spies or something picking it up. He's talking with Reinhardt, and Reinhardt wants to stop the nukes because obviously this is a bad idea. Oberstein starts going full Machiavellian Garfield on him and saying that, yes, the nuking of the people is bad, but if the war goes on, more people will die, and we can use them nuking these people as a good you know, justification for us overthrowing them. Therefore, we mm-hmm. should let them do this, and we should, you know... He basically says, let the nobles hang themselves. Like, this yeah. is this is complete political suicide. They will not be able to recover from this. Because it is, to be, to be clear, this is the prince nuking his own territory and his yeah. own kingdoms. So, actually, this is, this is really cool. This is one of the things that you just reminded me of, Geop. Uh, the guy who was saying, you know, the Gold Bloom Dynasty has ended. I believe what he says, it's something along the lines of... How can the gold the gold bomb dynasty stand when it's cutting off its own limbs? And mm-hmm. th- that's basically exactly what it looks like to the people. And so, yeah, so Machiavelli and Garfield, uh, first of all, 
directly quotes uh, Machiavelli. Yeah. <laughs> just, just straight up on screen, it was like, these are the main principles of Machiavellianism. It's <laughs> just like, I see. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Reinhardt, during this whole conversation, really doesn't want this to happen. Like, he sees, like, it's obvious he sees Oberstein's point of view, but he also doesn't want to just, you know, resign these people to their deaths, and he's having a lot of conflicted thoughts about it. Uh, Oberstein, he asks Oberstein how long it's going to take until the nukes get there or whatever. Uh, Oberstein says like six hours, something like that. It's and, six hours, yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, he's like, it's going to be six hours is what our information says. Yeah, so Reinhardt's like, okay, well, I'll decide at the last moment. Give me some time to think about it. There, there's something kind of interesting in this part. This is kind of this is kind of lost in translation because he's speaking in Japanese. We could tell from the tone of how the voice actor was talking. So Oberstein usually talks almost like a robot, and inside this scene, you could tell that he was very much sort of like, "Dude, please!" Like you'd hear it inside of his tone. He's like, "Trust me, let this yeah, happen." He- he's not like, "Beep boop, it should happen." It's hard to describe, but he very much you could hear it in his tone. He's like, please. It's intensity. Like yeah, he has yeah. he has intensity in it. Like he still has his not monotone, but like his lack of inflections, which is mm-hmm. kind of what his characteristic of speaking is. Is just a complete lack of inflection. Yeah, he gains some. Like it, it, you can tell he's. This it, is something he believes. He's in. like this will win, this will end it. Trust me. Let it happen, please. Yeah, like it, it's one of those things where it does, it doesn't feel directly like evil or anything like that. It's not like cartoonishly evil. It's like he's like, no, really, I do believe this is going to save the most lives. It's, it's an ends justify us, the means thing. Yeah, exactly. Ends justify the means kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and, um, what, what was it? Um, Reinhardt's order to him was to start mobilizing or something like that, or get ready to move out. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he, he said they were going said, out there as he fast said, as they could. G- yeah, get everyone out there, but don't take action until I do anything. Because he thought it was going to take six hours, and he was like, "Okay, cool, that'll give me you know five hours to think about this, and then I'll decide." Because like, man, this is a lot. This is I'm, a lot. I'm guessing, Garfield. I'm guessing Reinhardt was probably hoping to like intercept the nuke, like when it was about to happen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Try and pull some heroic plan to like stop mm-hmm. it, but show that the intentions were clear. So God, this, this it, is a, such a <laughs> shitty topic to have to discuss, man. This is a fucking show. Uh, but like, you know, Machiavelli and Garfield probably is also aware that a picture of Superman stopping a nuke is cool and will make people be like, wow, that guy knows what's up. But pictures of cruelty and brutality and just the wastelands left behind by this idiot prince is going to be way more effective. Mm-hmm. Like as... A little bit of a spoiler, but later on they're discussing uh, what happened, and he basically just says, like, even a child knows whose side is right in this. Like, he's just like, <laughs> even a child could look at this and say, that guy's an asshole. We hate him. So, yeah. yeah so, Reinhardt says he wants to think about it. Oberstein leaves his room. He immediately goes to his number two in command, and he's like, oh, yeah, get some, like, I think like reconnaissance probes or something, send them out on auto head. Um, so this probe's now out ahead, and, uh, it happens that Oberstein lied to Reinhardt, um, the nukes are gonna get there in, like, four hours or something before they even have a chance. Yeah, he specifically says, when he's ordering him to send them out, he's like, and, um, first of all, secretly, don't tell anybody about this, make sure they're there in under four hours. And this is, yeah, again, immediately after he just told Reinhardt, it's probably gonna Mm -hmm. take about six hours. So, uh... 
Yeah. We get to see some good uh, Judgment Day footage. Um, I love that whole scene. They're on the ground. They're like, man, that guy was a shit bird. You know who's really awesome? This Reinhardt guy. He sounds amazing. Yeah, let's back yeah. him. Hey, what's that over there? <laughs> yeah. Don't look directly at it. And then, yeah, the explosion just happens it's not great yeah it's <laughs> not just gone, one basically. nuke like this planet gets like fucked up with a whole ton of nukes like they're just going mm-hmm. off everywhere mm-hmm. so, what was um, the death toll it was like the, the planet was like partially depopulated at that point yeah there's like, only like people leaving people or something or something yeah. sti- like, i mean a couple yeah, like, million only yeah. two million people but yeah not like billions and billions but still two million people you yeah. know like they they Talk up the two million deaths, which is horrific and terrifying. But like we saw a battle in like the first three episodes of this series where like thirty million people died. So and that's kind of like the hard part of the discussion, right? Yeah, yeah. Is is it worth it? And on the one hand, no, uh, those thirty million were military versus civilian. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just a simil- civilian planet that probably didn't have anything in the way of defense. That too, and the other thing is, um, and they actually o- Overstein when he's talking to uh, Reinhardt. Reinhardt, by the way, I don't know if we fully pointed this out. Reinhardt was not okay with the plan. No. Uh, Reinhardt very much did want to intercept and stop it. <laughs> uh, and I believe during their discussion, he explicitly said, you can't measure human, or you can't calculate human lives like that. Like, because Oberstein's being like, be logical, you know, this sucks, but it's going to save more people in the long run. You know, just think about it that way. And Reinhardt basically just immediately backlashes, just like, fuck you. That's not how life works. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the nukes go off. They get the footage of it from the reconnaissance probes or whatever. Uh, Reinhardt walks in on Oberstein reviewing the beautiful footage. Uh, he throws a shit fit about it. Uh, Oberstein's all calm about it. He's like, you know, the nobles have hung themselves. This is going to be good for our cause and all that. Um, Oberstein, this is where they realize that Oberstein knew, or Reinhardt realizes that Oberstein knew that he they would never make it in time. Um, but this kind of like, Oberstein is taking the blame, I guess, for not arriving in time. Like, the way that they phrased it is they probably could have get there, but Oberstein is kind of pretending that they couldn't have, so he would take the blame for it to make Reinhardt's job easier. I I really didn't explain that correctly, but... Anyway, so Reinhardt really... I just kind of like that scene of Reinhardt walking out on the bridge and then then Oberstein just watching the nuke footage. He's like, oh, hey... It happened. Yeah, he's literally <laughs> on the big, like, main screen on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Like, the one that's, like, the size of a fucking cinema like, screen. So, so, what are you guys just, watching? Oh, just watch the nuke footage. What? <laughs> yeah, and he's just kind of looking at it approvingly, like, yes, this is what we needed. Like, oh, I, did, I, did I say four hours? Uh, did I say six hours? I meant four hours. Oops. Could win an Oscar for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, he's... Reinhardt's pissed off at Oberstein. Um... But Overseen is telling him, listen, it's done. Nothing you can do about it. You might as well use this to your advantage now. Broadcast out the footage to the entire Galactic Empire. Everybody hates Brunswick and likes Reinhardt now. So it has the effect that Oberstein said it would. The Geisenberg Fortress is now both physically and politically isolated from the rest of the Empire. At this point, a lot of Brunswick's nobles are deciding to go AWOL or just leave or kill themselves. or They're not having any of it because they know they're pretty done. Brunschweig obviously went the exact opposite direction. He's throwing a huge party with, you know, booze and everything, because why not live it up in the last couple of hours of your life? There's a scene of some nobles at this party starting to, like, consp- uh, conspire and turn against him. They're like, listen, this guy is fucking insane. Maybe if we kill him, we can get off light with Reinhardt, because he's eventually going to win. The dude who started that whole discussion was also the dude who ratted out Ansbach. So, 
this is this, this same dude is kind of um, sowing these seeds of dissent, so to speak. Yeah, it's it's showing the nobles are just out mm-hmm. for themselves at all times. Yeah, and they basically at first they're saying like, well, you know, we're kind of iconic of the whole problem that Reinhardt is now pledged to get rid of after the nuke footage because, like, obviously part of his campaign then to make it effective was. You know, we're going to get rid of every last one of these bastards that did this. You know, that kind of yeah. that kind of uh, thing. So it's uh, a problem uh, if, to let him live. So they're just like, okay, well, we're not going to make... we're not. He's not going to let us live. Like, he has to kill us. And they're like, what if we gave him a present? And they're like, a present, <laughs> you say? He's like, hmm, how about Brunswick's dumb fucking head? How about that? <laughs> so they Brunswick wants to go and attack the rest of Reinhardt's fortress, because why not go in a blaze of glory? Fahrenheit is telling him that's a dumb idea. We should stay at the fortress. It's safer here. We have, you know, support and all that. Brunswick tells him to fuck off and they go out and attack anyway. Fahrenheit talks to Murkatz. Murkatz says it's his duty to serve the Golden Bomb dynasty and that Fahrenheit should just leave, just go AWOL. And, and that guy gives himself the best and most straightforward death flag I think I've seen in a show. Like he straight up says, I doubt we'll meet again. And then shakes <laughs> his hand and walks away. He's just like, hey, so I'm like, super gonna die here in like 20 so i'll just peace take her easy well remember that one um (laughs) (laughs) i also like how he um murkatz tells fahrenheit no you're you're young you can't do this and stay with this he's pretty much saying you can't stay with this cause suicidal meanwhile murkatz has his buddy with them who's probably who's a youngster as well, and he probably isn't saying this to him either, but... Well, that guy signed on for life, he knew. I guess. <laughs> Which thing is funny, he's kind of like, no, no, this is suicidal. Meanwhile, he's got a guy the exact same age who's stuck with him. Mm-hmm. So Brunschweig and all the nobles ride on out to meet Reinhardt and all his fleet commanders. Uh, this is a very one-sided fight. Reinhardt is just mopping the floor with these dudes. At the same time, the rebellion starts inside the fortress. Oberstein, obviously, has been in contact with the centers of the Brunswick forces. The, there's a rebellion that starts inside the fortress and they rebel, the rebel dudes, I guess, uh, capture the fortress's main gun. Uh, mm-hmm. This means that none of the noble dudes can go back pers- uh, easily to the fortress. The nobles are realizing they're losing really terribly. Uh, Flegel is in one of his ships and he wants to challenge Reinhardt to a one-on-one duel because he thinks that is a thing you can do. I guess I, I don't know. If yeah. that's actually a thing. He's just, yeah. He's just like we'll get him in one-on-one ship combat. He's a co- he's a coward. He won't face me. And eventually, yeah. So like another thing, uh, one thing that did happen during the revolt uh, that was particularly amazing. So there's like a firefight going on between two of the groups, and they're just kind of like trading fire down a hallway back and forth, or it's like through two doorways. And one of them, one of the guys is like. Yo, think about it. Like, remember that time they nuked our shit? Like, maybe, like, consider who's, who you're pointing <laughs> them guns at. And not a full three seconds later, a fucking dead noble falls out the door after a gunshot. And they're like, dude, we're cool. We're cool. We're with you, man. Like, sorry. Those guys are dicks. Like, it is not. Like, as soon as he's like, hey, just think about it. Like, five seconds. Max. And a noble is shot on the ground. Oh, wow. <laughs> I never amazing. actually thought about it like that before. We were in the wrong business here. <laughs> yeah, it's the same dude also who, you know, ratted out Ons box. So this is the same dude who's going around doing this. <laughs> this a turncoat like three times now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, Flegel is trying to challenge people to duels. Everybody on the bridge is like, this, this battle's lost. Stop it. You're, you're, being, you're embarrassing us. Stop it, Dad. 
and uh, Flagel wants to go out like a hero because he feels a noble should die like a hero. And his like vice commander or whatever, the second command on the bridge is like, listen, I'm walking out. You, you fucking suck. So Flagel draws a gun on him and tries to shoot him. He gets shot by everyone else on the bridge. Everyone, literally yeah, everyone. Just gets, my like, note here, it's like yeah, my note here for this is all, yeah, my note here is oh my god, we finally get to shoot this asshole because like it really does seem like everyone just already had their guns like ready, like they just yeah. had him like sitting in their lap and they were just waiting for him to slip because mm-hmm. it's literally like he points his gun and he's just fucking Swiss cheese like nine times, just like everybody in the room just, bazam, like he's gone it's so good, it's thing, so good the speed. <laughs> the sense I got from this was even though there are tons of nobles and all that stuff, these guys were basically, these these guys were the staff of the ship that his, he owned, basically. So they all worked for him. These weren't noble buddy buddies. These yeah. were people who just some listen, worked yeah. for his family and him and probably didn't enjoy it, I'm guessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they shot him, he, sort of, he was sort of like, wow, you dude saved my ass. Hell yeah. So uh, Murkatz, who's back at the fortress because uh, he didn't want to go help Brunchwig and his bullshit. He decides it's about time to kill himself because it's the only honorable way out in his view. Um, his second-in-command dude, who I always forget the name of, uh, catches him at the last moment, uh, prevents him from killing himself. Murkat says he doesn't want us to run to the Reinhardt. He thinks that's uh, a bad idea for whatever reason. Well, to be to be specific about how he prevents him from killing himself, like, it literally, it's, uh, Murkatz is, like, holding the gun to his head, and then the door opens, and he walks in, and he's just like, hey, man, don't kill yourself. I mean, you can't, because I took the ammo, ammo out of your gun, like, an hour ago, because I knew you stupid idiots just love fucking killing yourself as soon as shit goes bad. So, like, and he was just like, god damn it, kid. All right. Because, <laughs> like, literally, he was just, it, it was so good, because he just walks in, he's like, oh, everyone just kills themselves around here, so I just figured I'd disarm you. That was cool. <laughs> Oh, there was. There's also he said, he, uh, said, "Oh yeah, wouldn't you get the chance to take my ammo out?" He took took his gun away. I didn't. <laughs> you oh, yeah, believe me? It too. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so uh, Burkett decides it's uh he's got to go defect to the Free Planet Alliance because he really doesn't have any place else to go, and he hears that Yang Wenli is a cool dude, and that's really his entire reasoning at this point. Mm-hmm. Yang's um, pretty cool. Oh, you make a good point. So they do that. Um, Brunswick somehow ends up back on the fortress. Uh, even though the rebel force has captured all the guns on it, like he somehow was able to come back to it. I don't think Brunschwig ever actually deployed. I didn't get really? the sense that he was, did either on this last one. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was all of his forces did, but he's still a coward because he's a fucking coward. As we're going to see, he is incredibly a coward, <laughs> and so I think he did all those speeches and those grand things and sent all the nobles to their death, and then just maybe I was reading that wrong. You may be right. Mm-hmm. But um, he's back at the fortress with Anbach, who I guess is like one of his underling dudes. Anbach is arguing with them. Uh, Brunchweg is knowing he's losing, but he doesn't want to die. So he's making shit up to try to get back to the throne. Like he's trying to make up political schemes. And like he's just grasping at straws, really, at this point. <laughs> I love how he greeted Anbach, too. He's like, Anbach, oh, you're here from your cell that I sent you to. It's good to see you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he realizes he's fucked. He's resigned to die at this point. He knows he's going to get fucked over. But he makes, like, a pact with Anbach saying, like, listen, you can kill me and use me as a way to get close to Reinhardt to kill him. Anbach, of course, goes along with this because he's a noble dude. Why not? I don't know. He hates Reinhardt, I guess, as much as uh, Brunschweig does, but he also hates Brunschweig, so it's, you know, win-win also, situation. Also, he needs Brunschweig to die, so I have a feeling Brunschweig could have been like, but first you have to 
give a dog a million dollars. And he'd be like, yeah, man, sure, whatever. D- fucking die already. <laughs> he wouldn't really give it. He'd be like, he'd be like yeah, man. He's like, you're going to have to make a whole sea of Fago. Like, fine, sure, fucking, yeah, I got you, man. Sure, I'll do that right after I kill you. <laughs> Brunschweig uh, designed the... They they get him some poison because I guess they just have like hemlock on tap in the back or something. <laughs> this Brunch is the fancy like, poison that they gave the noble lady. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good too because he specifically like after doing he's like I just kind of want to die in a way that's not super painful if that's cool. Okay, well here's some <laughs> poison. Um, actually, <laughs> yeah, he literally like just has it on a platter behind him. Like he just turns around and he's like, "Good news, <laughs> I, I just had the poison ready for you." <laughs> Could I think about it for a minute? No. <laughs> Yeah, he tries to, like, buy himself, like, buy time, even though, like, he knows he's super dead right here. And they eventually just grab him and force it down his throat. Mm-hmm. Like, he just straight up says he's just like, I don't want to die. I'm terrified to die. He's like, yeah, yes. <laughs> all right, all right. Hold his nose shut. <laughs> yeah. So Reinhardt captures the fortress. It's kind of done in a hand wave. Um, the fleet admirals, like, storm the fortress and have their men preserve art. They, like, were really specific about that. The... Pat breaks stuff in my kitchen. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he destroyed the art. Please leave that in. I will. Uh, I'll edit that crash to be like appropriately volumed, but I'm leaving it in. <laughs> um, so that was the end of that episode, basically. Yep. Right? Like, I don't think there was too much else. Uh, Mitt and Ruth thought talking about the future, but it's nothing yeah, important. Yeah. So then we move on to our next episode, and it is time for the Free Planet Alliance, basically. You know, like, the Empire's kind of wrapped their shit up for a bit, and Reinhardt is smooth sailing from here. Surely nothing will go wrong. Back to the Freedom Planet Alliance. Yep. Uh, so Yang has beat the 11th Fleet at this point, and the rest of the Free Planet Alliance is, like, everybody everywhere except for those coup guys are behind him, because they're all thinking he's great and everything. Um... He doesn't trust any of the coup people who have flipped. So, like, some of the people from the 11th Fleet and some of the people that he've come over uh, have tried to join with him. But he's like, no, nah, we're cool. You can go to prison or something. They don't really say what happens to him. Um, so, they're about to land on Heineken, planet Heineken. But uh, there's a problem because the coup people still have control of the Artemis necklace, which is the orbiting space lasers that were shown in a couple of episodes back. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Green Causeway Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yang doesn't think the necklace itself is a problem, <laughs> but he doesn't want the coup forces holding people on the planet hostage. I mean, Yang has his huge fleet hanging outside, but they're, you know, 500 million miles up as opposed to on the ground. So it's more about the situation of how they're going to get down into the planet to stop these people uh, from doing uh, anything stupid. I also like how he hand waves the Artemis necklace thing because this is still something that... They probably aren't aware that, um, you know, the um, Empire has defeated it before. They're sort of like, you're going to have to deal with the Artemis necklace. Have you forgotten? Oh, that? Uh, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, he's not concerned yeah. at all about yeah. that. Thing. Yeah, Yang, it, it seems like Yang's big motivation for dealing with the Artemis necklace here um, is it's more of a symbol as the last hope. Because mm-hmm. even though even though the coup forces uh, clearly have lost to, you know, everyone else. Um, he knows they themselves and some of their higher ups might still be convinced that this Artemis necklace is going to let him like hold out for longer. He's like, if we take out that thing, we can do it without killing anybody, and they'll probably surrender. Because weird, 
Yang really wants to get rid of a WMD and also not kill anyone. It seems <laughs> yeah. like that's kind of a Yang thing. <laughs> so Yang is talking with Bogdashu. Um, he wants Bogdashu to testify that the coup was started by uh, Reinhardt. Because um, he kind of... He has no solid evidence of it, but he kind of has a good gut feeling about it. Uh Bogdashu doesn't want to do it because he doesn't think it's the truth. But since he knows that Ryan, or that Yang is going to win, uh, he wants to be on the winning side because Bogdashu is kind of a coward. So he'll do it anyway. Uh, so I guess they have like a big uh, CNN op-ed against the entire planet where Bogdashu is telling about how the entire coup forces were set up by it's Ryan like, Hart like to distract them. the next scene, he somehow has gotten to the planet on TV and is broadcasting. <laughs> I mean, so I guess if your fleet is in orbit around, they could hack something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, this is infuriating most of the citizens on the planet. Um, the coup council people are losing it at this point. Some of them just think it's the end. Some people don't think that it's the truth at all. Um, they're kind of all confused about the matter and whatnot. Green Hill just, or Green Hill just basically says straight up, like, you know, Yang's good. And I knew he was good forever. But, like, shit. This surprised me. This is real good. <laughs> he's like, this is yeah, this sucks. yeah. Greenhill doesn't believe it at all, and uh, yeah, this is like, where wow, he's good, but he's also lying about Reinhardt having you know control over that. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and this is where uh, Lynch steps up, the drunk guy in the back of the room, and says, "Oh yeah, um, Oberstein told me to do all this. Uh, you guys have been played <laughs> as a dupe." Uh, to which the Ku Council is in shock and awe and anger, really, about this. Um. And he basically says, like, you know, they're kind of like, why? I thought you were coming back to try and restore your honor after you were... I, I heard you were such a bastard back on the uh, the planet that Yang saved initially that made him a hero. Yeah. Um, Alpha Seal. Alpha Seal. Yeah. Alpha Seal, yeah. He's just like... Uh, Green Hill's just like, yeah, I heard you were a bastard back at Alpha Seal, but I didn't think that was, you know, the truth. I thought maybe you had turned around, but I see I was wrong. To which Lynch basically responds... Yeah, man, I was a fucker. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I'm just a fucker. Like, you he's like, I just wanted JD to see I've you idiots. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I wanted to see you arrogant assholes uh, fall for once. Fuck y'all, and uh, you're a shitty judge of character because I'm just a fuck. <laughs> it's yep. it's really direct in how much he admits he's it's a very, shitty. It's very place to his character because it's very spiteful and vind- vindictive. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yang goes in and he's already figured out how to take out these Artemis necklaces. The way you do that is go to the asteroid belt, get some ice asteroids, strap a huge, you know, rocket engine to the back of it, get a running start from halfway across the solar system and just hit them at a fraction of the speed of light. That was just a really cool. Just it, it's simple, but it's just really neat just to see them do it. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to strap some rockets, make it go faster than light and then just pop right into it. Yep. Yeah, just just hit them faster than they can possibly react. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all you have to do is just do that, and we're good. Um, and he's like, yeah, and if we do the trajectories in this direction, we can make sure even if they do whiff a little bit, they won't hit the planet, like all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, hitting the um, planet with an asteroid at a fraction of the speed of light is not a good idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not oh, yeah. super great. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he talks about how apparently this is uh, – because, again, Yang wanted to be a history major, like obviously, because mm-hmm. uh, he talks about how – this was part of the initial plan of one time this one group managed to escape was like yeah, they it was covered the their of, rockets with ice to avoid detection or something. No, it was the founding of the Free Planet Alliance. The people that originally rebelled from the Empire and formed the Free Planet Alliance later 
did this. They put rocket engines on the back of asteroids in order to leave the Galactic Empire because they really, I guess, didn't have anything better to do. And so, like, he just knew this from history as a thing that happened and decided to use it. Mm-hmm. So the Ku Council is watching their satellites get blown the fuck up, and they know they're all fucked at this point. Uh, one of the guys does the thing that Yang was afraid of, where thinking about they should take hostages, but uh, Greenhorn kind of talks him out of it, um, which is, I guess, the entire reason Greenhorn was there in the first place. Um, they decide that at this point, the last thing, they ha- they're going to all going to surrender, but they need to clear up any evidence of the fact that the Empire was behind the coup, because that's like still really bugging them that they've been played. So they want to kill Lynch. Um, Lynch himself says, hey, this is not a good idea, you shouldn't kill me. He shoots Greenhorn, kills Greenhorn, and then gets shot by everyone else in the room. So Lynch yeah, I think, and Greenhorn I think Green, dying. I think uh, Greenhorn shoots at him first, too. Because it like in my notes it says if you shoot at a fucker don't miss. Um, oh yeah, he probably. I, do think, I think he shot yeah, him, like the Green shoulder or something. Him, yeah. yeah and the, the other thing that they kind of um, that Green Hill alludes to here that wasn't too clear. I thought maybe he was hinting at committing suicide because they were talking about going and you know having to face a try a tribunal and stuff and mm-hmm. you know be, be tried for treason or what have you. And he said he was going to take another route, and that was just before this happened. So I wasn't sure if he was alluding he to suicide to it, yeah. or something else. So the coup forces start their cover-up, and they also call up Yang and say, hey, uh, we're done. We give up. Um, they During the conversation with Yang, they asked, where's Greenhill? He was the leader, and they mentioned that Greenhill is dead. And, of course, Frederica is now doubly shocked that her father would be in a coup forces and is now dead um, uh, and also would kill himself because mm-hmm. that is what they tell you know they, they tell him happened there is they say you know like oh it was suicide and then they also they try to shame yang with yeah this they too, try to defend in their actions up. a bit as they're surrendering and yang's saying like uh, listen you're being the fascist that you were trying to overthrow like they try to, uh, they're they're by the way they're denying everything. So they're denying that the empire, you know, the empire was involved. And it's like your lies about that were so you know terrible to us who have been mm-hmm. fighting the empire for this many years that you know Greenhill took his life and this that and the other. And Yang kind of just basically says like you're not going to shame me. Like mm-hmm. fuck you. No no no. Like you were being way worse. Like oh you were trying to overthrow uh, or what was it? He was. It was something regarding um, just and it was freedom of speech actually being used correctly for once, like the understanding of freedom of speech as government suppression of, yes. you know, other minded thought. Uh, but basically uh, they're talking. Oh, oh that's what it was. Uh, the guy who was on the call with Yang was trying to do this whole thing about like it was the only way to stop the corruption. It was this true, horrible corruption. Obviously, we got to stop this. The only way to do it would mm-hmm. be, you know, do a coup overthrow everything and then everything will be better and yang just straight up says he's like you are worse than the problem you're solving like yeah. you are absolutely doing it he's he like, gives them a running corruption down. yeah he explains that uh corruption as a whole isn't just the acts of individual politicians that's the corruptions of the politicians the corruption of the actual politics and the government system is when you suppress any kind of ability to like stand Freedom against speech it. assembly all that yeah yeah, it's actually all kind of stuff. interesting. Like, I there's parallels with current politics going on with some of the speech they had, and I wish we could have paraphrased it better because mm-hmm. I, I just stay expecting the entire time the guy was yelling, "No collusion with the Galactic Empire." Mm-hmm. But uh, so 
Yang uh, tells Shankop to go down there and get everything in order. And Shankop goes down, sees Greenhill's body, and asks for it to be autopsied because uh, they were reporting it as a suicide to Yang, I believe, mm-hmm. but uh, he was shot in the forehead. So that's a kind of a silly suicide. There was also a second corpse in a casket right next to it they were wheeling by that he didn't ask about. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a scene of Frederica being sat in a room thinking of her dad. Um, Yang is, ends up talking with Bucock. Uh, Bucock was kind of funny. So I guess they locked him in like a hotel room or something during this entire coup. Yeah, and I thought they, they were going to say that he was sick or something and I'd forgotten. But he was just sitting there with a the no, blanket No, no, he was like, so how was your treatment? Uh, Yang was asking how his treatment was. He's like, I got to take a lot of naps. And uh, the first thing Bucock <laughs> wants after being freeze I have here is he wants whiskey. Like he tells someone to go grab, I think it's Julian. <laughs> he tells him to go get whiskey for him. Mm-hmm. And this is where Bucock also learns that Greenhill is dead and is very saddened by this. Uh, Julian goes and leaves to get Bucock his whiskey and he meets with Trudent, who has come out from hiding. Uh, Trudent is now, I guess, a true believer of the Earth Church. I uh, said he was went in the hiding, but he was helping the Earth Church to overthrow the coup people, and he's just making bullshit up. And um, he's trying to take credit. He's trying yeah. to take credit for all the victories and for Yang's actions. And like later on, there's a scene of him straight up saying to people, like, "Oh yeah, Yang was my eyes and ears above ground, and giving you know, dude, he was being the figurehead for me while I was safe, but I was the one coming up with the plans and the ideas." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, there's a scene later of Trudent getting a photo op with Yang. Like they meet afterwards, and Yang is visibly pissed about all this because he hates politicians and all their meddling and stuff. And especially Trudent, who's like a yeah. super two faced war hawk that, you know, Yang sees through that shit so mm-hmm. easy. Um, there's a couple of wrapping up sort of scenes. Uh, Yang learns that Murkatz is defecting. Um, Murkatz, I guess, went over the Izzlehorn and just landed. Um, so he tells Kalzu that he'll be there eventually and talk to him and stuff. Uh, oh, I guess Yang, I have Yang wants to help him and Skypes him. So he talks, yeah, he talks with uh, Murkatz on the phone from Izzlehorn uh, about uh, him defecting and all that. And I guess Yang considers uh, that Ryan, with his war done, with his uh, civil war is done, is going to be attacking Izzlehorn soon. So he wants to get the fleet back out there since he kind of left with all of them. Yeah. Um, one really important thing that Yang uh, does here, too, is it's a pretty good metaphor because it's him washing his hands while he's saying all of these things and trying to, like, <laughs> get his feelings out. He's literally washing his hands. Uh, but he's just... Yang, for the first time, seems genuinely flustered and frustrated and kind of pissed uh, because he's, like, going over, you know, like, I did all these actions, there were all these losses, and now fucking Trunit's back in power. That son of yeah. a bitch. Like, this is... He's like, oh my god, did everything just go from bad to worse? Like, this... Oh, god damn it. Like, he's like, I keep doing everything I can, and it keeps <laughs> getting worse. And fucking Jessica is dead. Now Green Hill's dead. Like, he's... He seems like he's getting, like, really, really mad in this scene. Like, it's... it's well, I mean, when it's Julian walks up, Julian... Yeah, Julian seems a little, like, shocked at how Yang is, like, almost losing his composure. Hmm. So, um, episode 25 starts with uh, Kilkyais. He is uh, coming back from, I guess, his uh, tour of surrounding the pacifying areas. Like, before when Reinhardt and the rest of his fleet were attacking Geisberg Fortress, like, Kilkyais is just going around to the planets and making sure shit was under control. Um, he goes back to Geisberg and meets Rein, and he has heard the rumor that Reinhardt had, uh, had watched the planet get nuked instead of trying to intervene. 
Um, Reinhardt, when they meet, is very happy to uh, see Kilki Ice. It's actually funny because Kilki Ice parks his ship right next to the Reinhardt's and everybody else is like farther away. <laughs> so Oberstein is still thinking that Reinhardt is favoring Kilki Ice too much and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, Reinhardt gets uh, down. Some of the redraws. Wanna... Some some of the redraws are a little comedic in this episode. Just mm-hmm. for the record, if you're not familiar with it, um, but the. <laughs> So the redraws of this, Kilkeis normally is like kind of a pretty boy, uh, but they straight up just like chisel manjaw him a little bit. It's hard to explain, but like the whole joke of, you know, they just needed to make, they're like, hmm, Kirkeis in the original wasn't fuckable enough for this character to really be believable. Hmm, better, better sauce this boy up because <laughs> they really do it in the redraws. Yeah, in yeah. Like his, his hair is like episode. much straighter too, as opposed to really, really permed and curly sort of, it looked really straight-ish mm-hmm. it was really weird all over just all the redraws in general look kind mm-hmm. of yeah this off. this scene in particular i was just like Oof. yeah it also is annoying because these next two episodes have a lot of plot in them and the redraws were kind of bad for them mm-hmm. like it's one thing like if it's static like a lot of the scenes that are redraw they're just static people talking to each other like you know camera a camera b headshots but this one actually had action in it and it didn't look too good Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Reinhardt is happy that Kilkeix is back, nice and safe. Uh, they decide to go have a bottle of wine or something. And Kilkeix immediately pops the question about the nukes to Reinhardt. Uh, Reinhardt admits to it and takes blame on it. But Kilkeix starts to go into a spiel about justice, about how they were trying. The entire reason they joined the military was to overthrow the injustices that they saw, that he's acting a lot like Goldblum. He's yeah, right, when he, right, when, right when he's bringing this up, he sits down, like the light hits the wine glass and like it like has like this this red coloration on Reinhardt's hands. Yes, it's and very just the whole anime going symbolism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it, it's yeah, the wine <laughs> is creating like a red light filter. Yeah, covering his entire hands. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, so as they're having this discussion, uh yeah, Kilke Ice starts, you know, tell, basically kind of preaching at him a little bit, mm-hmm. like, you know, for for good. Uh, and Reinhardt uh, he loses just snaps. His temper. Yeah, he loses he his temper. Snaps. He says that it was strategically, politically necessary. It's the same things that Oberstein was saying to him. Mm-hmm. Kirk Yeis compares him to Golden Bomb, and it's yeah. Basically, my my note here says you know Ryan tells Kirk to shut up, Kirk to shut up, and both are shocked by it because it mm-hmm. really is like you see Reinhardt reaction too. Like as soon as he basically just he, for the first time in his life told his best friend forever. Hey man, shut the fuck up! And they both were kind of like, "What?" Like even he, Reinhardt, like stops for a second, and his eyes get real wide. It's just this realization of like, "Man, maybe I've gone too far, huh?" <laughs> yeah, this whole thing of like, I just cursed him a best friend for no real reason. Mm. <laughs> so uh, the end of this conversation happens when uh, Kirkia or Ryan asks Kirkias what Reinhardt is to him, and Kirkias is sullen and says that he is his loyal subject, not his friend. And this is like takes Reinhardt aback, and Kirkeis leaves after this. Uh, Brian has he's going in like he has a lot of I don't know reflection at this point. There's some flashbacks of earlier scenes of him um, talking with Anna Rose, and Anna Rose saying that you should mm-hmm. always get Kirkeis's opinion and never lose sight of things that are important. Yeah, it's um, flashbacks. Like it's all flashbacks that we've seen you know, before. And um, Ryan muses that he wonders if his sister valued Kirkeis's judgment more than his. 
and that is when they are when he is listening to a hologram answering machine with analog motherfucking tapes. Like you can hear the like rewind noise like as they as he clicks the tape backwards. That's just good UX. So good. What? That's just good user experience. Yeah, it was so good. Like they had yeah the rewind noises and like the static over the image and the sound as it rewound. Oh, so good. Like. Oh, I love I love when you they try to call future technology and it's just like eh, kinda <laughs> you kinda got it. <laughs> so uh while this is all happening, while Ryan for the last month or so has been chasing around Brunchwick and all this, uh Lichtenstein has been back on Odin, uh rallying up the nobles. Um I guess he sees Reinhardt as a hindrance now to because of course everybody has plans of Grandos power. Um, Oberstein knows that he is doing this, so he tells Reinhardt that he's going to go back to Odin first and deal with him. Um, Oberstein again tells Reinhardt not to give Kilkeis special treatment, and the, he says something to the effect of, there's no room for a number two. Treat Kilkeis like you do, like Mittenbeier. Um, this, again, is punctuating the fact that Reinhardt is having trouble feeling how he should feel about Kilkeis. Mm-hmm. Um... So after all this, there is a celebration at the fortress um, since they have won. They decided to throw a party, and they're also doing, like, uh, communing and partying of some of the people who have been on there and judgment for others. Mm-hmm. Um, during the celebration, it uh, I think it was Mittenmeyer who walked in. Or no, it was Kilkeis, actually. Kilkeis walks in, and um, he's about to go to the throne room, and I guess the guard's saying there's no weapons, no exceptions. And this kind of takes him back, but he, you know, is a nice guy, so he gives up his weapon. Cause... He's like, by the way, I'm, uh, my name, my name's Kirschus. Perhaps you've heard it. Yeah, I know. I need the gun. Oh. He's like, sorry, sir. I was ordered no exceptions. And he's like, oh. And he's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, sir. I can contact him. Kirk Yeats is like, nah, man, it's okay. You're just doing your job. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. Like, here you go. <laughs> Kirk Yates, again, gentle, kind, sweet boy, best boy. So, Reinhardt is having an audience with some of the pals that they captured, both nobles and the Alessian dudes that, the, uh, that were working for Brunschweig. Uh, so, everyone's there, Kilkeis, Oberstein, all the vice admirals and all that. Um, Kilkeis has flashbacks to Anna Rose, the time he went to the noble party with Reinhardt as a kid, uh, talking about justice in front of that statue when they fell down the hill. I have the note here that says, excessive foreshadowing, like it, get on with it. Um, they yeah. were it was like half the episode of just flashbacks of Kilke Ice and Reinhardt mm-hmm. um, anyway um, back in so... reality Fahrenheit showed up in front of Reinhardt he apologizes uh, says he was working for Brunchwick he doesn't want to do that and uh, he wants to work for Reinhardt now uh, he pledges his loyalty and Reinhardt says Lee listen you're a smart dude uh, you can be my admirals who cares yeah that was um, pretty he's nice just... he's pretty much like yo get in line with the rest of these dudes you're cool yeah, Fahrenheit kind yeah, of owned up like, to all of it, so mm-hmm. Reinhardt was kind of Yeah, lenient. Fahrenheit was very clear, very precise, and very honest, and also was quite good at doing ship stuff. And Reinhardt just, yeah, it would be a waste to, you know, squander your talent, man. Like, yeah. you're cool by me. <laughs> and it even seems like he's surprised by it. Like, Fahrenheit doesn't, like, didn't Yeah, I don't think he was he expecting expected, that sort of treatment, so. No, uh, it, it seems like, you know, coming from the nobles in particular... To that kind of treatment is probably a pretty big shock. Yeah. So uh, Amsbach uh, shows up in the progression of POW people, and with them is Dead Brunschweig in one of those stretcher things that we saw Shenkop in 10 episodes ago. Um, Amsbach is like, hey, uh, I surrender. Also, here's Dead Brunschweig, and Reinhardt's all pleased about this. 
Uh, they open up the top of the uh, stretcher thing. <laughs> nobody, is, nobody does anything. Just yeah, he just pulls out a rocket launcher, and then the yeah, episode ends right there. <laughs> so specifically, he, he he digs through his guts, saw style, and yeah. no one like is reacting to him doing weird gut stuff to the corpse. <laughs> it's like when he. When Brunschweig died, Ansbach told one of his lackeys, take him to the infirmary right now. He's already dead. I know. And it was because he was installing a purse to hold a rocket launcher. (laughs) (laughs) A baby purse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the episode just ends with him pulling out a rocket launcher and aiming it at Reinhardt. That is such. A, I loved how that ended. It's just, by the way, here's a rocket launcher. End of episode. <laughs> so uh, episode twenty six starts with that exact scene. Uh, Kilkeis, uh kind of like. Stops well, the first him. thing the first thing we see is Machiavellian Garfield yeah. jumps in the way. Like he actually jumps in the way in front of Reinhardt yeah. to shield him. So this, which is... I think is like super crucial mm-hmm. like i think that's like an actual huge 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 character moment of like wait okay so oberstein actually maybe does care about this yeah like maybe actually does care everything you've gotten from oberstein so far is you're probably like well he's just you know he's good at this and he's furthering his own career or what have you and at this point it's like no he jumps right in front of reinhardt and would have gotten blown up if kirchheis hadn't jumped in and started wrestling with Ansbach. Yeah, so Kick While all wrestling. the other admirals are doing nothing. Yeah, they're all in shock. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. weird. So Kilgeist wrestles the rocket launcher out of Ansbach's hands, but Ansbach has this laser ring on, and the laser ring like shoots him in the shoulder and then shoots him in the neck. And uh, at this point, the vice admirals go and actually tackle Ansbach to the floor. But and Kilgeist- he also snapped Ansbach's arm right in the middle of the forearm. It's mm-hmm. like when they pulled him off, you could see the arm just snap. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was kind of it was just yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Kirkus did not let go of it, by the mm-hmm. way. At first, I thought they were implicating rigor mortis had already taken hold. But then it seemed like, no, he just did not stop going in. <laughs> Even when he was shot in the neck and in the chest and like on the floor, bleeding out and being pulled away from the other guy, Kirkus is still trying to fuck him up. <laughs> he cannot stop. <laughs> Yeah, so Kilke Ice is on the floor. He is super dying, super dead. Um, they, oh, I think it was Oberstein that mentions that uh, they should get Ansbach like, in restraints or whatever. Because I have the note here, Ansbach remembers the tooth, dries of poison. Oh, that was uh, Oberstein. I'm uh, not Oberstein. Um, uh, Rolantol. Rolantol, yeah. Because he's he the first like one. A... He like, jabs his hands into Ansbach's mouth just in time. Or not in time. Not in time, because yeah. there's like, poison in a tooth. down on and... a cyanide thing. Yeah, he dies. Um, Reinhardt is completely in shock. Uh, he is unresponsive and just kind of staring at Kilkeis at this point. Um, there's then some... He, I don't know if it's implied that it was imaginary in his head or if it actually happened because it's kind of weird because they go into like a black 50 zone sort of thing. But Reinhardt mm-hmm. has a talk with dying Kilkeis. Uh, Kilkeis tells him to win the universe and that like he should keep doing what he's doing and to tell Anna Rose that he kept his promise. Uh, Reinhardt is just sobbing and unbelieving that his friend is dead. Yeah, and like yelling at him, you know, like don't, you can tell her yourself, you know, shut up, you dumb idiot, you can't die, you need, you know, like that kind of thing. And that's why I think it at least maybe like, hmm, it might have been real, but the him actually running down and like standing next to Kirky Ice and, you know, yelling and being like, don't you die, clearly was real because oh, yeah. it cuts back to all of his admirals kind of being like, 
dude, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> actually on. even I'm a sorry. scene of uh, Mittenmeyer going up to Reinhardt and telling him, listen, dude, he's dead. And, like, Reinhardt just loses it and yells at him. Um, so he, Reinhardt is left alone with, I guess, Kilkeis. They put him in, don't they put him in one of the stretcher things, I think? They put him yeah. in one of the stretchers, yeah. yeah. Uh, all of the admirals are having a round table because they're, like, don't know what to do about all this. We gotta um, get Reinhardt's groove back. Yeah, is basically the subject <laughs> of the meeting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that well, is literally who, the whole point. Who'd of the have meeting. an idea to fix this? Maybe Overstein would. Somebody go get Overstein. Somebody's at the door. Who is it? It's Overstein. Motherfucker, <laughs> he's good. Yeah. yeah. So the admirals, yeah, all the admirals, they're, okay. they're having their discussion at the round table, and they very clearly don't trust Overstein a lot. They straight up say like. Well, because they're talking about, yeah, how do we get his groove back? Yeah, they're, like this, is, this is, they're like, this is kind of Oberstein's fault because there was a discussion between Roy and Tal and Mittermeier, and they were talking about the whole the whole issue of um, Kirschus and Reinhardt having friction, and they, their comment about Oberstein was him creating problems where there weren't any. So Oberstein was alluding to the possibility of, of you know, there being friction Amid all the people, all the all the vice admirals, yeah, I think, there, I think it's there wasn't one particular that says that so. like he thinks that Oberstein may have done that. Hmm. But um, so yeah, like you said earlier, they were talking about him, and lo and behold, Oberstein shows up. Hmm. Um, I have Rutenthal is really pissed at Oberstein because he feels that he is responsible for some of this. Yeah, um, Oberstein says that they need to that they should stop being angry at each other and at Oberstein, and instead need to catch the criminal. Uh, though one of them, I think maybe is Mitt Meyer, says that Anschbach and Brunschweig are already dead, so there are no real alive criminals. But uh, Oberstein saying it's uh, Lichtenstein because he is uh, taking con- using this um, confusion that happened to take and consolidate his power on Odin, mm-hmm. and um, that they should take uh, make plans and to take the authority away from Lichtenstein while Reinhardt is uh, doing his sobbing griefing stuff. And it's kind of weird that all of these ice admirals, despite some of them being angry at Oberstein, kind of just say, oh, yeah, sure, let's go uh, raid the capital. So, yeah, that, yeah was, like, that was kind of weird because they mentioned there's like a 20-day flight to get to Odin and all of them mobilize and go out and do this. Yeah, they're all like yeah. on board immediately with Oberstein's plan. Like they talk about it because at first, well, the first thing they mention is. Well, the obvious plan is have him talk to his sister. Like, he needs to talk to his sister. Mm-hmm. And then Oversign, like, he walks into the room and says this because they're like, oh, do you have ideas? He's like, a couple. First one, we have to, you know, have him talk to his sister. And they're like, well, there's one problem. He's like, none of you fucking chicken shits have told her Kirky I side, have you? And they're all just kind of like, no. And he's <laughs> all like, right, I'll all do right. It. Yeah, he just straight up, he's like, he's like, all right, I'll take responsibility for handling that. Everybody uh, hates me anyway. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's like, everybody hates me. Fuck it. I'll do it. Sure, man. Like, whatever. Uh, and yeah, they all go ahead with the plan because it seems correct. Uh, and I think it was, I want to say it was Mittenmeyer who, when uh, Oberstein is like talking about all this stuff and like how, oh no, that wasn't the true criminal, the true criminal is this person, we should handle him this way. He's just kind of like, man, remember me, remind me to never get on your bad side. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I would never want to be on the other side of a battle from you, man. Like, Jesus, you're cruel. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. So they all rush back to Odin. Uh, Lichtenstein is caught completely off guard by that. Um, they didn't think that they would do anything without Reinhardt's approval. Uh, so he was kind of banking on that time. But they just land on the planet with a bunch of ships. So, like they show ships like parking in like downtown areas and in the forest and crap. Like they just landed the ships wherever. And um, they arrest Lichtenstein. 
uh, for instigating assassination, which is kind of a BS charge. But yeah, uh, uh, like, they haven't even said anything proof wise. It was just you know conjecture. Yeah. Well, they specifically uh, when they're arresting him, he says like, "What proof do you have? This is ridiculous. What well, they you have nothing to prove to make this stick." To which they reply. Oh, you know, fun thing about being an empire, huh? You know, we actually don't need proof. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, yeah, he said that in the list like, you. oh, yeah, you're right, shit. Shit, shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. He's just like, he's like, man, man, we're not the Free Planet Alliance. Fuck you. And he's like, shit. Man, no wonder I like Planet this Alliance. job so much. Damn it. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, back in Gillsburg Fortress or whatever, Geisenberg Fortress, um, Oberstein has at this point told Anna Rose... Um, he tells this to Reinhardt because I guess they had a meeting and Reinhardt is pissed. Um, Oberstein tells him, in effect, man the fuck up. Listen, it sucks that your friend died, but you have things mm-hmm. to do. You are like the leader of half yeah. the universe. Oh, one really good scene that happened uh, in the middle of... Sorry for interjecting, but mm-hmm. a good scene that happened uh, right before the uh, they arrested uh, the, the the Prince Lichtenstein or whatever. Um they have a scene of Hilda uh, standing on the balcony watching all these ships fly in. And, like, someone's mm-hmm. like, well, they wouldn't fly a ship over the capital. What a what a crass bunch of fools. And Hilda just kind of is looking at it. She's like, eh, you know, uh, stuff will be interesting at least. It's better than stagnating like we have been, I guess. Yeah, she's kind of, like, looks back. And like, like, she's glad she bet on the right horse. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, back on Gillsborough Fortress, uh, Geisenberg Fortress... Uh, Reinhardt is having a Skype with his sister. Um, Anna Rose has kind of dropped the bombshell that she is going to be leaving the house that she's in and going off to the countryside, and they don't want to see. She doesn't want to see him anymore. Uh, she makes the uh, comment that our ways of life are too different, and it's heavily implied that she blames blames Reinhardt for Kilkeis' death. Yeah, this is about as close as she gets to being upset with somebody. It's just basically her saying, you fucked up. I gotta just... Yeah, she's kind of... Well, I mean, yeah. as a character, she's kind of emotionally uh, muted about yeah, how she definitely. treats things. But mm-hmm. um, this and she's is... trying to be as gentle and noble as mm-hmm. possible. Like, she, she kind of feels like the ideal of nobility, I think, which is why, mm-hmm. you know, the Emperor probably liked her so much. Like, that kind of idea. Just very graceful and soft-spoken and kind, but still, you know, has resolve and will. Yeah, but... Uh, and it's a major... very much what she she's doing here yeah it's a major turning point this conversation though because like her le- she's in effect leaving reinhardt's life um for all intents and purposes and this is one the thing that causes reinhardt to snap out of his melancholy and uh, he goes and talks to rutenthal and he has well, his, she explicitly like, says like she explicitly uh when she basically says like Oh, you know, Kirky Ice is gone now, so I guess you've got nothing to lose, huh? And she, he kind of looks at her, he's like, well, I've got you, like, we've got each other, so I still have that to lose, I don't have to go all out quite yet. And she then she drops the bomb after, like, because Ryan's freaking out. Like, Ryan yeah. is legitimately freaking out through all of this call. Like, he's he's crying, he's kind of just losing his edge, it seems like. Uh, and then, yeah, she says, we shouldn't really ever talk anymore. Okay, I love you, bye-bye. <laughs> Well, that, that, really was, that was the other thing, too, is that finally he asked, by the way, I've somehow never picked up on it by, by until now, but did my best friend love you? Did you love him? Well, uh, um. Yeah, that also comes out that she had a she had feelings for 
Milky Ice, and obviously mm-hmm. the other way around too. So mm-hmm. you really um, fucked up, Reinhardt. She hangs up on him. Uh, he is like laser focused on his politicking now. So he calls Rutenthal to get like all the shit in order. Rutenthal's like, "Hey, yeah, uh, we kind of conquered Odin for you while you were doing your thing. Uh, that's cool. What should we do with all of these prisoners we take care of?" And he is like brutally ruthless. He's like, "If they're over the age of ten and they're men, kill them." Uh, send the women and children to the frontiers. If they're under the age of 10, uh, just let them do whatever. And Ruthal's like, well, uh, why that? He's, he said something effective. Well, I was 10 when I entered the military. They don't have any choice in their life until that point. Uh, let them do that. Mm-hmm. And Ruthal says, well, aren't you concerned that they may you know, rise up and come and do the same thing you just did to the, the Empire? And he makes the note that says, uh, if they are going to grow up and do that, I am prepared for it. Let them come at me. And he says straight up, incompetent rulers are to be overthrown. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, man, if I'm bad enough that they can they can overthrow me. So is the natural progression of things. (laughs) And And everyone's just kind of like, yeah, (laughs) he kind of laughed there. (laughs) Ruthal's like kind of concerned. He doesn't know what's really happening. And he even puts commendium to it. Specifically, specifically. Yeah, Reinhardt goes. Oh, and uh, I mean, same thing goes for all you uh, admirals. As soon as you think you're hot shit and are ready to fucking take me on, <laughs> anytime, guys. Yeah, so this and- is, he's pretty much <laughs> just saying, you guys who are right underneath me, I don't fucking trust any of you anyway. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh. Yeah, Rutenthal uh, says he must be jesting. He's like taken aback at this. He's like, we wouldn't do that. What are you talking about, dude? Yeah, none of them would he, do that. He- there's clearly like a lot of concern in mm-hmm. their voice at those at yeah. those words. Just just like, oh no, has our great brilliant leader who was pretty chill and smart about stuff, is he about to just lose it? He's like are just we iron in a really bad now. way? <laughs> Like, yeah. he finally got control over basically the entirety of the Empire and the military forces and the people's hearts and minds. Please, man, not now. <laughs> Just kind of like, come on. <laughs> so um, we got a couple more scenes at the end of this episode. Uh, first off is uh, the, the traitor planet spaceship guy, Boris, uh, was saying that Rubinsky wants him to spy on Yang because he knew Yang as a kid and I guess they were friends. Uh, Rubinsky also wants someone on the inside with Reinhardt too, but he doesn't know who yet. Um, Rubinsky obviously wants Taps because these are the two. He correctly assumed that these are the two people with the major sets of powers on either side. So uh, we get a scene of Yang uh, talking about something. Something I'd probably mention. This is something my brother and I picked up on, so it's not even a spoiler by this point. But this guy you see with Fezin, who's named uh, Konev, who knew Yang. The other thing to point out is that um, Poplin, one of the pilots on the um, Free Plan Alliance, one of his buddies, the blonde-haired guy, is also last name Konev. Oh, yeah. So it's something that, uh, like I said, if you're watching and you make know the names, you spot it, and you're like, oh, huh, they have the same surname. Mm -hmm. But either way, just mentioning that for now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yang is chilling at this point, talking about how much he hates Trunit. Um, he makes the quote of what good is a democracy if it gives power to a man like that. He's just kind of venting because he's, like you said, he's upset about everything. He's musing politically, and it's pretty, like, he even says straight up, he's just like, I had these horrible, horrible thoughts about how maybe our democracy is bullshit. <laughs> he's just kind of like, I was just, you know, having having a couple having a couple mad thoughts about, about the current government. Um, and then the last thing is uh, Odin does make his way eventually back to, or Reinhardt makes his way back to Odin eventually. 
Um, he is now the supreme commander of all forces of the Galactic Empire. Uh, that kid is still technically the Kaiser, but no one cares. Um, Kilki Ice was posthumously promoted, and the only words on his tomb say, my friend. Yep. Uh, oh, other thing. Um, so I had made a note a couple episodes ago when uh, Green Hill, you know, dies after mm-hmm. explaining that he was basically just trying to do what was right, you know, keep it in control, do all this stuff. It just put, you know, uh, good people trying to do what they thought was right, you know, still, though, ended up on the wrong side for one reason or another. And then literally during Yang's musings, he's just like, man, it was just a bunch of good people who thought they were doing right, just like us, but they got caught up on the wrong side. And I was just like, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So, uh, and that... then it, the episode ends with a fucking death reel. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <sighs> the episode 26 ends there, and that's the end of the first section of the OVAs. The OVAs are kind of split into four parts, so that's like a full season. Um, episode 27 has a new intro. Um, it starts with a quote, the same quote as before in every age and every place, the deeds of men remain the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the note here. It's a new season, so we're recapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Last time on Legend of Galactic Heroes. Yeah, it does a brief yeah, after, recap it, of all the events. By the way, when I say there, when I say there was a death reel at the end of the last episode, I literally mean like they were showing like busts of people's faces who had died, and we're just like, "Yep, a lot of people died, huh? That sucks." <laughs> just like showing through everything, and of course, it ends on Kirky Ice, like yeah. very large picture of Kirky Ice. It's yeah, clearly they're like. Yep, things are going to get weird in Season 2, boys. Mm. It's, uh, it's a bit of a good ending. So uh, after the uh, recapping, which is just brief about what happened in the previous season, um, it implies that some time has passed, a couple months. Uh, we see Dusty Attenborough. He's out near Izzelhorn Fortress training some new recruits. And mm-hmm. he comes under attack by some Galactic Empire forces. Um. We cut the pole. I have on. a note. Oh, go ahead. I have a note. Dusty is so fucking lucky he doesn't actually exist or he would be so dead. <laughs> <laughs> Dusty, you're you're lucky you are a manifestation of Yang's subconscious, or else you would so be vaporized at this point. Well, does that mean it's easier they can kill him off? Hmm. Anyway, uh, Popolon's giving a speech to the new fighter recruits. He's like, listen, this is your first time in combat, all that. Uh, we noticed that Julian is now there. He has decided to uh, take a Top Gun school sort of thing, and he's underneath Popolon. Um, we cut to the Galactic Empire, and we see that Reinhardt is doing a whole bunch of political reforms. Um, he is talking to some people, some civilian nobles under him, uh, talking about how the new Galactic Empire needs fair justice system and a fair tax system. So he gives these two guys, who used to be nobles, but who have renounced all of their land and all that, positions in government because they're good at their jobs. And um, basically he's promoting equality and just trying to dismantle the classism currently inherent yeah, to their system. He's reformed such good things as freedom of speech and fair taxes. Uh, those are the two I've noted. But he's uh, been doing a lot of reforms, and I guess a lot of the uh, civilians on there who weren't nobles obviously love him for this. Uh, the old nobles mostly are either dead or imprisoned or whatever, so the, who cares about them? Um, it also notes that Ryan took a lot of wealth from the old nobles and established uh, like banks, because I guess that was a problem, is the old civilians just couldn't get money to start up jobs and stuff and relied on patronage from nobles. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, also they talk about finances and how like oh well how are we going to pay for all the war stuff and 
Reinhardt basically just like has a laugh and he's like, dude, we just stole all the nobles' money. Like, mm-hmm. it was so kind of them to hoard it for me to steal. <laughs> <laughs> or confiscate, I believe, is the term he uses. <laughs> so I got two good notes in a section. Three good notes in a row. The first one is Julian is a fighter pilot thinking about death. <laughs> they show him doing some fighter pilot stuff and he's just terrified about the whole thing. Um... I guess at this point, the people back in Izzlehorn know that the group that Dusty is training has been under attack. So they go find Yang, who is being a hobo on the bench in Izzlehorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've made Frederick go out and just find him. And he's seriously like, he's sleeping up on a in the bench, park sleeping. again on a bench. God damn it. <laughs> um, we get more uh, shots of Julian top gunning shit. He blows up like a destroyer or something. Um, mm hmm. Um, so a big thing that happens as far as strategy in this battle, if just that's something you're like interested yeah. in, uh, they uh, the Empire is starting to move in, but they notice that the uh, Free Planet Alliance people seem to be like just kind of holding still, <laughs> and it looks like there's like weird training act- activities going on and stuff, and like they know it is part of Yang's fleet because it's Dusty, obviously, and Dusty is a key component. Uh, so they have this thing of just like, no, wait, that's Yang's fleet. <laughs> they're fucking with us we're they're, gonna hold they're back they're really, they're really shitty at doing war wait a second yeah, this is like, a trick minute, isn't right. it yeah they're like, yeah, like their admiral is very skeptical about moving in because of yeah so they're like wait we'll we'll hang back we'll let them see which since they are fighting a bunch of literally trainees they are just giving the entire enemy forces time for some light on the job training before <laughs> the real shit kicks up it was such it's like the absolute worst call you could make yeah. it's fucking awesome like it, when you think about it you're like oh okay that's reasonable they're you know observing but then you're like oh my god except all their pilots are going to actually be able to be decent by the time they get in <laughs> it's oh it's so good yeah, so uh, Yang is informed of what's happening, him and everybody else. I think Murkatz goes with him. Uh, they go to reinforce Dusty's fleet. Yeah, it's like the entire... what He asked, um, you know, pretty much pitches straight to Murkatz. He's like, hey, you're new here. What's your plan? And Murkatz says, just send everybody out all at once. Shock the shit out of whatever force you're up against and pull everybody back with that. Yeah, uh, like going out in waves. Going out in waves will just not give us a hole to escape, and we might mm-hmm. end up getting locked out there because they'll be able to also move in in waves. Like they don't have to fly all the way out, so they'll be able to just shore up their stuff way quicker than we will. So we just really need to make sure it is all at the same time. Yeah, and so Yang just, just pretty says, much pretty much throw everything uh, out there and make them flinch. And yeah, then and Yang back. just goes, "I agree. Like, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Good plan. Cool, I'm going to go back and sleep on the bench." Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. it should be noted at this point, Yang just kind of has Murkats around as like an advisor buddy to throw ideas off of because he's from the other side, so he knows their tactics, and he's also a seasoned admiral. So, mm-hmm. um, so they go out there. Um, I have Julian is doing his Kenny login shit. Uh, Dusty at this point is just waiting for a fleet to show up because he knows that he really can't escape because everybody is new in his fleet, but he also can't really fight back too well because again, everybody's new in his fleet. Yeah, um, another thing that's wonderful about this episode is, especially after all the recent deaths of close friends of important people connected to important people, uh, I was worried about Julian forever this whole episode because <laughs> they repeatedly were like, hey, man, there's been some problems with your stuff, but like, go on out there. And then there's also multiple shots of Julian 
like lining up with another ship coming at him and just screaming and a laser happening, but it's unclear which direction it had went. And then they cut away. They cut back <laughs> later and it's like, oh, Julian's fine. But it's like, you sons of bitches. You sons of bitches. You keep doing <laughs> My it. baby boy, please. <laughs> and then, oh, and then the, the worst part is like, he's like, oh, well, I'm low on fuel. Guess I guess time to go back, huh? And then he goes back and then they're just like, Oh, hey, we need you out again. Get out there. And he's just like, okay. It's just, it's it like, sucks. We only had like enough time to give times. you 20% fuel. We're going to blow up. God's yeah, there's, there's a scene of him getting refueled, and like the chief mechanic on the deck comes up to him. And he's like, oh, sorry, we can only put $20 in the tank. Um, we're going to die now. <laughs> and he like pushes the button, and Julian gets launched, and then the carrier explodes. <laughs> That's the thing. They, yeah, the the like, battle uh, they cool. describe is going on for like seven or eight hours, and Julian gets like two planes shot down and he destroys a carrier but it's sort of like i mean that that's still it's still good but it's also like eight hours of just i don't know dodging yeah it beats me i don't know flying around dodging I'm, I, mean, I mean i'm not saying too- i'm expecting to have dozens yeah. and dozens and dozens but it's sort of like what were you doing the whole time well dude? an imp- well, two things to note here. First of all, mm-hmm. you have to remember the scale of like yeah, the that's grand what I'm thinking ships is maybe. of the battle. Because like, if they're that big and there's that much distance between them, individual fighter pilots, it's going to be like, you know, some rowboats fighting in an ocean. So guess, like, yeah. the fact <laughs> that they even run into each other is kind of incredible. That's a good analogy. Uh, and Yeah, and then um, the other thing is later on, uh, the two more experienced pilots are t- shooting the shit while they're in the battle. And they mention like, Hey, how many you got? 22. How many you got? 23. And he's like, fucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> it's so good. Um, so while this has happened, we get a uh, scene with Rubinsky. He's getting the, uh, he's getting his rundown from his mob lawyer. I guess like they've been running the numbers behind the scenes and the Galactic Empire owns, has like a 28 or 48% power rating. The Free Plan Alliance has a 40% power rating. The Fazan has like 12% economic power or something. They yeah, were talking about their, their control overall, yeah. just like how much power they feel they have. And yeah, it was like, 48%, 12%, and, you know, like 40% or whatever, yeah. you know, the math ends up being. And, um, yeah, so Rubinsky is looking at these numbers and he decides, like, we should side with the Galactic Empire. Well, and basically what it is is before it was the Empire plus Fazan would be enough to win. And then also at the same time, the Free Plan Alliance plus Fazan would be enough to win. Like, they both had over 50 like. Both of them had enough that with Fazan they would have over 50%, but without it they would lose net. Now it has gotten to the point because, according to their calculations, the way the political structures have like fallen into place, the Free Planet Alliance lost a lot of power and morale. Like mm-hmm. They actually kind of fucked themselves up a little bit. Uh, whereas the Galactic Empire is obviously now under this unanimous rule of this boy genius. So they have gotten much better. Like They have gotten so much better. And their calculations are just like... Yep, turns out now the Galactic Empire has 54% control, so uh, we actually can't swing this war one way or the other. Uh, so how you feeling about what we do? And I was expecting, because Mr. Uh, Mr. Mean walks up and is just like, yeah, you know, uh, well, clearly this is no longer a you know influenceable fight. So I was assuming he was going to say, you know, okay, let's give more to the Free Planet Alliance, keep this war going and all that. No, he's no, just, he just talks to yeah, he's just like, well, you know what? Uh, let's just let Reinhardt take everything over, and then, uh, you know, just make sure we have enough people installed to pull some strings here and there. <laughs> yep. Uh, so back during the fight, there's a lot of ships exploding. At this point, Dusty's starting to get concerned because uh, his fleet is kind of falling apart. Um, the Galactic Empire 
Admiral, due to his name I forget, sees that this is happening, so he starts pushing the attack. Um, Yang kind of just shows up and saves the day. This is the first episode of the season, so it really doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> That's my yeah, feelings the, the on it. Plan, the plan is mm-hmm. executed. They run away. Um, everyone reunites, and everyone is very glad to see each other. Obviously, Julian and Yang are reunited, and Yang is quite glad about this. I have a uh, Shen Cop is impressed by Julian's KD ratio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's weird, because my note was Shen Cop is getting hard for blood. <laughs> Which is how I have Restored a carrier? My dude! Yeah, he was like, oh shit, two Valkyries and a carrier on your first day? Damn, my first bla- battle wasn't that flashy. Alright, this kid might do some work in the future. And Yang was just kind of like, well, that sucks because his luck entirely ran out, and he better not get fucking cocky, or he's gonna get his dumb ass shot. And the Shen Cop just kind of everyone just kind of looks like after he says this, everybody's just kind of like, "Man, you you really do care about this goofball, Julian." And so everyone just kind of is like looking at Yang in a loving way. Like my last note is, "God, everyone loves this guy. <laughs> everyone just fucking loves Yang." Like. It is borderline like an 80s sitcom ending of everyone just like, if you put some like happy, upbeat 80s Shrugging music over it, it could literally just zoom be, out. yeah, it's just all of them like looking at each other like, oh, you, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. You just, end, you just end this podcast episode like the credit reel music to Perfect Strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and credits. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, pfft. It's wild to say that's it after uh, all that shit went down. Yeah, everything. Yeah, after all, woo, that was a lot of it. Um, but yeah, hey, thanks for uh, hanging out and listening. And uh, if you aren't already subscribed on, you know, uh, Google Play or iTunes or Podbean, Podient, whatever you're listening through, uh, please do. It super helps us out. And if you, you know, have enjoyed like six hours or whatever at this point, if you'd be willing to take a minute or two and write a review, that would be cool as heck. I would mad appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Until next time, space anime.